0: 27 Stand up and bless. Hundred and seventy six, six seventy six, Lily of the Valley, six seventy six. Four hundred and seventy three, four seventy three, where he leads, I'll follow. Four seventy three.
1: request before you, but we just thank you that for this time that we can share the praises of your working in our individual lives. And Lord, the fact that you are working in our church and that you are doing things and using us in your service right here, we're thankful for the privilege of being able to take your name to the world in which we live. And Lord... We're just thankful that you choose to use us to take your message to others. We thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you for your patience with us, Lord. We thank you for your forgiveness. And we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Franz? Okay,
0: let's stand and turn to 455, 455. My Jesus, I love thee. Four fifty five. My Jesus.
1: teens dismissed for their class downstairs. The rest of us, let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 30. Exodus chapter 30, and this is our fifth lesson on the tabernacle. We are just going through the main parts of the furniture at this point, and again, uh, we're ordering this a little different than we have done in the past. Uh, As we have gone through these subjects, we're trying to... Uh, just encapsulate different things to give a a, basically a snapshot or um, an understanding. We have not yet put all of these things together in one fluid uh, motion as would have been in the daily uh, ritual and the ceremony that was in the tabernacle. Exodus chapter 30, verse 1, it says, And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon, of shittim wood shalt thou make it, a cubit shall be the length thereof, and a cubit shall be the breadth thereof, four squares shall it be, and two cubits shall be the height thereof, and the horns thereof shall be of the same. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof, and the sides thereof round about, and the horns thereof. And thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold round about. And two golden rings shalt thou make to it under the crown of it, by the two corners thereof, upon the two sides of it Thou uh, shalt thou make it. And they shall be for places for the stage to bear it withal. And thou shalt make the staves of Shittim wood, and overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with thee. And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning. When he dresseth the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall ye pour drink offering thereon. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonements. Once in the year shall he make an atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy unto the Lord now the golden altar the altar of incense as it is called in the scripture was not a very large item it was one cubit by one cubit by two cubits high we put that in modern measurements 18 inches square 36 inches tall Uh, very small unit here Uh, It was to have four horns, if you remember, on each corner of the brazen altar where the sacrifices by fire were offered. There would be a horn on on each corner, and uh, there's been an awful lot said about those horns, but nothing that I've been able to find that makes any sense. It's just four horns upon the four corners of the altar, and like the table of showbread it was to have a solid gold crown round about the top of it. And if you'll remember, we talked about that golden crown on the table of showbread would be a a practical part would be to keep the showbread from sliding off as if, as it was being carried. And here on the golden altar, it would be a receptacle or a holder for the embers and the incense that was offered on it. Now, Before we get any further, and and this is not in your notes because I just didn't think it was worthy of even putting in there. When you go down to the whatever, the little shop, and they have those little incense sticks burning, uh, that has nothing to do with this, all right? Uh, Yes, uh, you can go to the Hindu or Buddhist temples or different things, and they will burn those sticks as incense to uh, in offering to their gods. You say, should we ever burn incense in our home? Um, we'll get into the picture. There are things that you should do. Uh, personally, I just I just don't do it. I don't even mess with it. If I want to make my house smell better, Uh, I just wait until a couple hours before supper time and my wife starts cooking and the house smells better. Amen? Uh, Especially if it has something with onions and garlic in it and then the house is wonderful. Amen? Uh, But uh, be careful with all those things. There are some spiritual connections to some of that stuff and it's best to stay away from it. You just don't have to do it. Uh, as we get through this, we'll understand the picture that God is is making for us here. The components this altar was was very simple. There was nothing uh, extraordinary here. It was acacia wood or shittim wood, as the Bible says. Uh, it was overlaid with pure gold. There were four rings, two rings in each side of it, two rings. One ring upon each corner. There were staves that were overlaid with gold. They were put through the rings and the altar was carried. Everything in the tabernacle was movable. It traveled with the children of Israel. The 40 years they wandered in the wilderness. And uh, it was meant to be movable. Now, in the ceremony and the ritual the altar of of incense the golden altar if we can just put the whole thing in in picture here was you came through the gate that was always facing east it was a linen gate it was seven foot high you could not climb it you could not see through it the first thing you faced when you came through the gate was the brazen altar Between the brazen altar and the door of the tabernacle was the brazen laver. That's where the priest constantly washed his hands and feet. Behind the brazen laver was the entrance to the tabernacle proper, the holy place. The tabernacle was divided into two sections, the holy place and then the holy of holies, the holy place the priest went into every day. The first thing he would do in the morning was he would trim the wicks, or replace the wicks in the golden candlestick. And of course, that was last week. We talked about that being a picture of God's Word working in our mind, giving us light to see. You do not see with your eyes. You see with your mind. Your mind has to process the light that comes through your eyes. And God intended for us to process His Word Now, that does not mean God's Word is subject to your thought processes. It's exactly the opposite. God wants to fix your thought processes using His Word. Amen? Then you can see clearly. He would make sure that everything was in order on the table of showbread. Every Sabbath, there would be fresh bread on the table. Once the wicks were trimmed, He would have brought in with Him a censer full of burning coals that he had scraped off the brazen altar. He would then clean uh, whatever remnants were left from the offering of incense the night before. He would put new coals down and new incense. It would be a perpetual incense every morning. There was new incense and new incense embers, of course, to burn the incense. Uh, I don't think I quite finished that, but as the placement, you would have the candlestick on the left as you walked in, the table of showbread on the right, and then directly in the center before the veil which separated the holy place from the holy of holies was this golden altar. It was placed directly in front of the mercy seat the Ark of the Covenant, of course, was underneath the mercy seat that was hidden behind the veil. It was closed off. Only once a year would the priest enter into that holy of holies in front of the mercy seat. There were restrictions placed upon this altar. Once a year, on the day of atonement, as the priest would bring in the blood of the uh, of the offering, There, for the Day of Atonement, he would dip his finger in that pitcher or that uh, the carrier of blood, the bowl of blood that he carried, and he would paint that blood with his finger upon each one of the four horns of that altar. That would only happen once in the year, on the Day of Atonement. There was no strange incense. Exodus chapter 30, verses 34 through 38. Give us the uh, measurements, give us the uh, ingredients that were made for the incense that was offered on the altar. And tonight, we're not going to take the time to go completely through the incense. There were several different types of anointing oil and incense that was used in uh, the tabernacle. But what was offered on the golden altar was special. If you made it at home just to see what it smelled like, the Bible says you were cut off from Israel, meaning that you would never, ever take another sacrifice to the tabernacle. You would not be uh, permitted to live in the camp of Israel or among its people. You were banished forever by making your own incense to smell what belonged only to God. There was no meat, no flour that was supposed to be put on there. No animal flesh was supposed to be put on there. No drink offering uh, was to be poured out upon it. This altar was special just to burn incense. And the priest was supposed to do that every morning and every evening, It was a perpetual or a continual offering. There was always to be those smoldering embers with the incense being consumed and rising up from it. Now, this golden altar is one of those places in the Bible where you just keep coming back to we get into Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. We have Nadab and Abihu offering what is called strange fire from before the Lord. Now, if you want to turn there, we'll just quickly go through that. And, and we want to look through these things. And, and of course, if, we, if, I, if I wanted to, we could spend the whole evening on each one of these five events here that are connected. But that's not my goal tonight. Leviticus chapter 10, it says, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh to me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Now could you imagine this? This is Aaron, Moses' brother. He was the high priest. He and his four sons had just been consecrated. They were beginning to to offer the sacrifices and perform the priestly duties for the first time in all of history his two eldest sons apparently Nadab and Abihu did not go to the brazen altar but went apparently to the cooking fires is where the where, another place where there would always be fire burning in the tabernacle complex If you remember, the priest was to eat his food of the sacrifices of the offering. And so they went and they just got a common or ordinary fire. And it says fire came out from before the Lord. If we understand this properly, it's talking about the mercy seat. That's where the Lord says, I will meet with thee. That fire went through the veil if you read your story here carefully, it went through the priestly garments, not touching either of them, and burnt these two guys to a crisp in a second. The Bible says that their brethren. If you look down in uh, in verse, uh, where was it? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, verse 5, So they went near and carried them in their coats out of the camp, as Moses had said. The garments that they were wearing were not burned, otherwise you wouldn't be able to carry them in their coats. But they were dead because they transgressed the Lord in the offering of incense. And people say, well, maybe they didn't put it on the altar there. It says they took their censers. That meaning they were gathering the coals and they offered strange fire from before the Lord. In Leviticus chapter 16, we have a completely different prospect here. The children of Israel had just uh, reached the height of their rebellion against God. They had already refused to enter the promised land. Nadab, and uh, not Nadab and Abihu, it's... Um, The uh, different. uh, Oh, that's why. That should be Numbers 16, not Leviticus 16. I am sorry. Um, I have to talk to my typist. Of course, he doesn't listen very well because I am my typist. But uh, point two there should be Numbers chapter 16. It was Korah and Dathan and Abiram. These men gathered themselves against Moses and they had refused to be obedient to God. And we come down here and uh, we we come to um, verse 46 of Numbers chapter 16. This is after the earth had swallowed up Dathan and Abiram, the fire from God, had killed the 250 Levites that had tried to offer incense before the Lord uh, against the commandment of God, had tried to take over the priesthood. and now the congregation had assembled themselves against Moses and said you've killed the people of God what they said what they were saying is it's your fault that these people died and you are killing God's people even though they were under God's judgment for disobedience to his word do you see the difference there and so here is the picture Verse 44, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get you up from among this congregation, that I may consume them as in a moment. And they fell on their faces. And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer, and put fire therein from off the altar, the brazen altar, and put on incense, and go quickly unto the congregation, and make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun." And as Aaron took and Aaron took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation and behold the plague was begun among the people and he put in put on incense and made an atonement verse 48 and he stood between the dead and the living and the plague was stayed now they that died in the plague were 14,700 beside them that died about the matter Of Korah. Now, just stop and imagine this. Here we have the congregation of Israel, 600,000 soldiers, wives, children, a a group of nearly 2 million people. Very, very, that's a very conservative guesstimate of the number of the total of the children of Israel at this time. 14,000. Die in the moments that we've just read about. Now, that's 14,000 graves that had to be dug. Not 1,400. 14,700, the Bible says. And here we have Aaron, who is an old man at this time, he's older than Moses. In his, upper, in his mid-80s here, uh, maybe even more than that, as we, we look through here, there is a rebellion. And can you imagine this man, long white beard, carrying the censer full of coals, putting incense on it, and running into the congregation? He passes the first row of dead bodies. The second row, the third row. And he keeps running into the congregation, and people are just literally falling dead all around him, and he stands in between the dead and the living. Someone asked Dr. William Dow, he was the president of the Bible college that I attended, he said, What is the job of the preacher? He said it is to stand between the living and the dead with the life-giving gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the picture that is painted here. But incense is a picture of our prayers. We need to pray. Amen? Often prayer will do what nothing else can. Because when we do things, we make a mess. When God does things, it gets solved. Amen? And we need to pray. But this is, though the golden altar itself was not connected to this event, it was the incense, and this was an extraordinary event that God would take the, the would accept this offering as Aaron stands between the living and the dead. And as far as we understand... The incense that he used was the incense that would have been offered upon this golden altar. It's why I include it in this story. Let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 26. This is many hundred years later. The temple has been re- uh, built, and many kings have sat upon the uh, throne of David, And we go to 2 Chronicles chapter 26 and we have King Uzziah. King Uzziah was a righteous man. He had brought Israel back to God. But we come down to verse 16 and it says, But when he was strong, His heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Now this was the king, the king of Israel, the descendant of David, the chosen one of God to sit upon the throne God had helped him. He had recovered the nation of Israel from destruction and oppression. They had rebuilt their defenses. They were strong. Finally, everything was going the way that it should be going. And it says King Uzziah's heart was lifted up to his destruction. That he walked into the temple to offer incense upon that golden altar. The only one who was allowed to do that was the priest. The priest that was ordained and functioning in his set order and on his day. And the Bible tells us that they withstood the king, verse 17, "...and Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. And they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto the Uzziah to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense." Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed. Neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was wroth and had a censure in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar." And Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked upon him, and, behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death, and dwelt in a several house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Sounds like God was pretty serious about this golden altar, wasn't He? In the book of Revel, the book of Luke, uh, we need to hurry through here. We're going to run out of time and not finish tonight. How many of you remember the story of Zechariah? Zechariah, the the father of John the Baptist, the angel Gabriel appeared as he was in his lot to offer incense upon the golden altar. You can put your hand down, and he. Gave Zacharias the prophecy of the birth of John the Baptist. It tells us that the people were praying without. And when Zachariah was finished, he could not bless the people as was the tradition because God had taken away his speech until all these things would be fulfilled because he refused to believe what God had told him through the angel Gabriel. Then we get to Revelation chapter 8. And uh, I want us to go there just just for a moment. Revelation chapter 8. In verse 3 it says, And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne and the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand and the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth and there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake now as these judgments are carried out We have the seven seals. The seventh seal is open and then we have the seven trumpets that begin to sound. As this is happening, this angel offers incense upon this golden altar which sat before the throne of God with the prayers of all saints. Now, if you remember, we've talked about this repeatedly. Moses was to make The candlestick, how? After the pattern that was showed Him in the mount. The book of Hebrews tells us that these things which were in this physical tabernacle later in the temple were illustrations and pictures of the real things that are in heaven. Revelation tells us that this golden altar is a picture of our prayers. Now I have one note in here that there's a... Greek ruler called Antiochus Epiphanes. He desecrated the temple, and one of the ways that he did that, not only just entering the temple, but he poured out pig's blood upon the golden altar of incense. This was the one cataclysmic event that caused the Maccabeans, who were the ruling priests at that time, to revolt and to overthrow the Greek domination of Jerusalem, And and that's just an historical thing. But what we want to be concerned with is this altar is a picture of our prayers. The altar, the fires on this altar were driven or burned with the coals or the embers from the brazen altar. We're just going to put this together here. The brazen altar is a picture of the death of self. The surrender of who I am the total daily surrender of my plans, my wishes, my hopes to God. As I surrender myself, I allow my desires to be consumed, and what is left are the coals that will give you the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man that availeth much spoken of in James chapter 5. Until you're willing to get rid of self, you will never have the prayers that God wants to accept. Those prayers need to be pure. They need to be built after God's direction. Uh, was any, does anybody remember our series on the work of after the art of the apothecary? We did uh, eight or ten Sunday nights on how our prayers ought to be molded and shaped according to the directions of the Scripture. Uh, it says after the art of the apothecary you know I'm glad that when that apothecary the the pharmacist the person who compounds medicine uh, puts those medicines together but it's not only just a chemical composition there was supposed to be an artwork a a blessing a um a um a um effort that surpasses just chemical composition. I mean, the best illustration, and it talks about after the work of a confectionary, I mean, how many have ever tried to bake a cake? I don't mean Duncan Hines, all right? Uh, I'm talking about getting out the ingredients, the flour and all of that, and put it together. Let me tell you, there's an art form to making a cake. I've eaten a lot of cake out of just being nice and polite. I am not a lover of cake necessarily. But I'll tell you what, there are some cakes that I love to eat. It's because somebody knew what they were doing when they put the ingredients together. Amen? This is a picture of what our prayers ought to be. It's okay to pray. But when's the last time you worked on your prayers to make it a blessing to God? That's what this golden altar is picturing here. Only the priest that was consecrated could offer incense upon this altar. You know, we try to pray as a beginning of our relationship with God. God says, no... That is the highest point to which your relationship with me can attain. This is as close as you get to God. Paul, writing to the Thessalonians said, "Pray without ceasing. Does that mean that every moment of every day should be spent in prayer? Uh, you'd have a hard time praying on your knees, I mean driving on your knees with your eyes closed and your hands folded. Amen? Uh, That's not what God's talking about, but when we pray to God continually, it ought to be part of our life relationship with God. Prayer, true Bible prayer, is a heart that has been ordered by the Word of God, speaking to God about things that God wants to accomplish. It's not about you telling God what you want to do. It's about you surrendering to what God wants to do. There was an atonement made on this altar once in a year. It is to remind us that even in our prayers there's sin. We as human beings, we do not know how to pray as we ought. Even when we thought we've consumed all of our desires upon that altar and there's nothing left but the coals, that nature and that human nature still rears its ugly head and can spoil the prayers that we offer to God. When the temple veil was rent, when Jesus died on the cross, guess what happened? The golden altar, well, in the temple of Jerusalem, the golden altar faced an empty space showing the emptiness of the traditional religion that was in that place. But with that veil removed in the actual temple of God, it meant the priest could approach to the altar of incense directly before the person of God, knowing that God hears and answers those prayers. You put on the armor of God. If you ever hear anybody start talking about chasing the devil with the sword of the Spirit, just run away from that person. Have no clue as to what the Bible's talking about. You want to fight the battle of faith. It says praying always. That is what the Christian is supposed to do. Amen? The highest... you can attain to as a servant of God is true, honest, heartfelt prayer that God wants to answer. That means you finally got past yourself. You finally got past what you want to do. You finally surrendered to God. You have gotten it right. This is communion with God. By the way, The golden altar wasn't taken care of until all the other work was done. The morning sacrifice had already been offered. The lamps had already been trimmed. The table of showbread was in order. Everything was in order before the incense was offered. Don't try to pray until you've gotten things straight between you and God. That's where our prayer really happens. God will not accept prayers that are not according to this work, book called the Bible. Don't you try to order God around with your prayers. I still get angry every time I think about it. Years ago, years and years ago, somebody gave me one of those Frank Peretti novels. And I want to tell you something. I, I read it out of being nice to the person, but I'm still angry about what was written in that book because it painted a God that could not move until enough people prayed to fill Him with power to move. That's Buddhism. That's where you keep praying and saying the mantra over and over again until you make a reality. That is a God in your image. That is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible does not need your prayers to get His work done. But He wants your prayers to worship Him so that He can bless you. Ask that ye may receive that what? Your joy may be full. This is godly prayer, my friend. And I must challenge us and myself as well that what we call prayer often is nothing but words we need to let the seriousness of this tabernacle teach us the great holy responsibility of coming before the creator God of heaven in prayer And so I challenge you, take your outline home and read a lot of those. Read those stories. Let, let them fill your mind with what God is really doing here and teaching us. Our prayers ought to be a perpetual thing, not just Sunday night. And by the way, praying is not always just getting out your prayer list. Praying is talking to God. talk to God. If it troubles your heart, it will either build your prayers or hinder your prayers. You can't just put your life aside and pray to God. You want to get relief from the burdens of this life, you will do so at the Golden Altar. As you get rid of yourself at the brazen altar and see prayers that ascend before a holy God, that God will accept His worship and will answer according to His will. And that will fill you with joy according to the Scriptures. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before You. and Lord, I feel like we've just barely scratched the surface of this golden altar here. But I pray that the ideals that are presented and the pictures and types that are here would burn deep into our souls and that we would understand that this idea of prayer is not just calling upon God, that it is blaspheming for us to think that we have the right to tell you what we want. But, Lord, that we would let Your Word order our prayers and let Your ideals order our heart, that we would let Your desires control us. And, Lord, understanding only when we get there and have answers to prayers according to Your will can our joy be full. We ask You to work in our hearts, convict us of our sin and our Our prayers that we call prayers, but really, Lord, are an offense to the Holy God. We ask that you would help us to order ourselves that our prayers may be a praise and a glory and a blessing to the God of heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, and we just... Take a moment there, and if you'd like to add to that prayer on your own, maybe even at your seat or slip out and spend a few moments at the altar. We'll take just a little bit of time here before we enter our actual prayer time as a church.